Mix 93.8, some legendary radio for you on a Monday night. It is, as we do each and every Monday at this time, what's involved and my special guest in studio tonight, uh, who made it here despite uh, apparent serious grievous bodily harm. <laughs> uh, he says that, and as he gets sarcastic, he starts to choke. Uh, Richard Wright. Hello, Richard. Hello, David. Thanks very much for having me. I really appreciate that. It's an absolute pleasure. I, I've got to tell you, I mean, we, we've been sort of toing and froing for a little bit, uh, getting dates and everything sorted out. You've been... Uh, a fairly busy person over the last little while. Um, uh, um, David, it's, it's not really that. It's just I absolutely <laughs> suck at admin. <laughs> That's really what I it gave is. You there's, an no, out. there's no other excuse. <laughs> I, I really suck. I gave you an out. But anyway, um, that aside, you are many, many things. You're a father. Um, you are. Do you call yourself a motivational speaker? Yeah. Um, so I prefer not to. Uh, yeah. Inspirational speaker, I guess. Inspiration. But, yeah, not even I that. Uh, um, Storyteller? That's a good one. Storyteller. I think that's a, transformation, a transformative um, storyteller, I think, more than anything else. I think if I can tell my story and in some way it can help you to look at your own stuff differently, then that's a big tick for me. Okay. So so you do that. You speak. You speak to corporates. Um, you've overcome several challenges in your lifetime, which we're going to be, be talking about. Um, one of them is going to be exactly why you're sitting here with your arm in a sling today. Um, but let me just say, okay, number one, I think you are... Nuts. Okay, <laughs> let's just get that out in the open. I was wondering what was going to come out of your mouth there. <laughs> I was th- I was remembering on radio, so there's a whole lot of things I can't say. Uh, six, am I right? Six Ironman triathlons? No, more than that. Um, more? So full Ironman is 11 now and probably 30-odd half Ironman events. There's some social media stuff you need to update, okay? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so full Ironman's 11. Yes. Now explain a full Ironman to me. Okay. I mean, it's just insane. So, so, so I love the fact that you say that. Because I think whether you think it's insane or whether you think it isn't is going to determine whether you're ever going to do one. And whether you think you can do one or you think you can't do one is 100% correct. So uh, it's a 3.8 kilometer swim Mm -hmm. followed by 180 kilometers on the bike and then followed by a full marathon, a 42.2 kilometer run. But you are a successful speaker. Can you not afford a car? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think that's the thing Is that Iron Man's really defined me It's been that thing that has been the glue That's held me together It's been a sense of purpose It's uh, There's a whole long story Which I'm not going to get into now About um, I had a childhood where where I got bullied a lot Um, And the bicycle became my escape mechanism If I could get to the bike sheds Before the bullies got hold of me I could make it out of there Uh, If I couldn't I had to hide in the school And I think I was called a wimp and a crybaby And all sorts of things And I think Iron Man became the See, I can do that thing, and I'm good at it. I'm mm-hmm. really good at it, and um, that makes me not what you what you think I am. Well, I mean, if if somebody looks at you today, I, I think wimp and crybaby would be the furthest from anybody's mind, um, because let's let's be honest, you're not a, you're not a small man. You are. I, I don't. You're not built like a, a traditional athlete, though, in, in terms of you, like short and very, very skinny. I'm not quite sure how to take that. <laughs> <laughs> take it in, in a personal light. No, so, so I mean, the person you, uh, in front of you now is not not what I used to be. So there were times when I was skinny, lean, um, but as a triathlete, you can't be you can't be super thin because mm. uh, you're not just a runner, um, you, and you, you've got to. I think strength is is really really important. Well, I know it is. And putting a day together that is anything from the pro student eight hours to seventeen, which is what you've got, um, you you can't be skinny and 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 
malnourished. Yeah, and that's what a lot of professional athletes, in my opinion, look for like. For sure. Says he who is quite rounded. <laughs> and yes, round is a shape, so I'm allowed to say I'm in shape. Okay. Let's let's start off with a little bit of, of, of who is Richard Wright. I mean, um, you know, your, your, your younger years, what led to you ending up where you are today? And, and give us a synopsis, because I know it's not something you like to chat about a lot, but let's give so, us the, 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 so the, the overview. So it's interesting. I, th- I think we, we, we start our lives off and we are carefully groomed by our parents, schools, society into this one thing that we are going to become for the rest of our lives. And my life has not been like that. I think I've taken a lot of risks. I've done a lot of things differently. Uh, I've just a hell of a lot, which is kind of a very weird mix and pretty unique. Um, so I was a, uh, I had a swimming school for many years called the Right Stuff Swim Squad. Just down the road, he had the Virgin Active um, in Midrand. And that was great. That was the coaching background. I studied a lot, but never finished anything. Um, I then got into real estate, also in Midrand, and loved it. It was like a fish hitting water for the first time. And a lot to be grateful for in terms of my real estate roots. And then started training for Pam Golding Properties and became the national training manager for PGP, which a position I held for about seven years. And also absolutely loved, just again, um, if I can in some way coach, mentor, train people to become better versions of, of themselves, then I'm a happy camper. That, that really mm-hmm. does float my boat. And um, then throughout the can- cancer journey, very grateful for an amazing job and an, an amazing family with Pam Golding Properties. Um, it really was incredible. And the second time I went into remission, literally the day after I found out I was in remission, I phoned up Andrew Golding and said, that's it, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm resigning. It couldn't be a better time. Um, his reply was, no, you're not. And mine was, yes, I am. And we had a sort of two and a half <laughs> month back and forward until eventually said no actually you need to go and do what I think you are called to go and do and and that's to speak full time and Mm -hmm. that's when that started and you you glossed over this but I mean you are um, a cancer and I'm going to use the word I hope it's the right word a cancer survivor 100% um, and not 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 that there's any kind of nice cancer to get, but I mean yours is is right up there. I mean it's it's brain cancer. So um, yeah, it's been it's been quite a road. Um, I found out that I had cancer five days after completing an Ironman event. Uh, I knew something was wrong before the event. I'd had the scans. I'd had a, a, a benign tumor on my pituitary gland since 2004. That was 2015, but it'd been controlled with, with uh, medication, and it was a real up and down. But it was, I was fine, and uh, I mean I raced did really well in triathlon uh, throughout that. But late 2015, trying to train for 2016 Ironman, I knew that something was really wrong. The symptoms were on steroids. I couldn't train and do anything more than one thing in a week, and then I wasn't able to do anything. Um, So I had another scan, and we found out that the tumor had grown substantially, and it was then for the first time that cancer was, was mentioned. Um, and like anybody, the first thing you do is you go and Google. And uh, what I found out there was not great. Um, in fact, I really, I really had to, I struggled to even find pituitary cancer. And uh, but all everything said exactly the same thing: is if if this is what you've got, you don't have much time left. Yeah, put your head between your legs and kiss your butt goodbye, kind of thing. Pretty much. Um, one of my friends we were mentioning off air, um, uh, one of my mentors, David Patient, always used to say the worst thing you can ever do is Google your symptoms. <laughs> he, he, he couldn't be more. He couldn't. He couldn't possibly be more right. In fact, that's one of the things I put into all my talks with another example. But we won't mention that on air. <laughs> but um, it's a blister I got somewhere. But anyway, um, so. Yeah, it, 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 but the, but again, I think that was was so important that I at least started that Ironman. I was determined I was going to go and do it, despite the neurosurgeon's warnings, despite everybody else saying, please don't. It was as if, if I can get through that event, 
I can't possibly have this cancer and I can't possibly uh, be heading towards a sticky end. Um, so it was a long day out and it was, it was real mental tenacity. I hadn't been up to train much and I knew I was booked in for a lumbar puncture five days after the race because it's the only way of finding out whether you've actually got brain cancer or not. So, so, but it was, it was very, it was very much a, in the back of my head, something tells me uh, maybe, but surely not. Yeah, it's one of those, it can't happen to me. The story goes on, and it's a fascinating story. And as I'm looking at the at the clock once again, I can see already this is going to be way too short. But we're going to make the best of it. My guest in studio is Richard Wright. He is a professional uh, speaker and inspirational um, speaker, I think. I find your story incredibly inspirational. And it's, and it's a story of tenacity and what you can do if you put your mind to it. We'll be back with Richard in just a bit. My special guest in studio, Richard Wright. Uh, we're talking about... Uh, being a, a professional speaker, uh, an inspiring individual, and uh, somebody who is – am I correct in saying, Richard, this is now third, fourth, third go round? Third time. Third, third time. time. Third time round. Mm. Um, and it is um, – it was diagnosed before. You've done the chemo. You've done the radiation. So it's been in remission twice before. Am I correct? Correct, yeah. And now back again to wave hands and say hello. Correct. Maybe so, you have a special type of cancer that likes doing Iron Man. <laughs> so I think, you know, I've done, I've done a lot of research and I have spoken to a lot of people and I've tried a lot of different kinds of therapy and all sorts of different things. I've even had a look at um, the possible psychosomatic causes to something like this. And a lot of what I talk about is the power of the mind and self-belief and, and, and any of the specialists I've ever spoken to has said exactly the same thing, that overcoming something like a terminal cancer is 50% what you think and what goes on in your, ma- mm-hmm. in your mind and 50% modern science. And um, that 50% they've got complete control over and can do whatever they can and research is amazing and, and um, they're making forward leaps and bounds every single year. But the part they can do very little about is what goes on in your head. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, that's not unique to cancer. That's with anything in life. But I think, and, and that is what is so valuable. Look, I mean, with, with, with cancer, obviously there's, there's other challenges, but um, it's not just with challenges. There's people with all sorts of, of, of problems and, and immune disease and all sorts of things. And, I mean, I, had, I was mentioning to you earlier on Dr. Dawson Church, uh, was, uh, I interviewed him last week, and the, the research done and the, that is being done at the moment into the power of the mind and what you can do and how you can affect healing within yourself by using your mind and, and, and you know, with, with things like meditation and a massive part of it seems to be getting rid of stress. Now, I can imagine if you have um, any sort of life-threatening illness, there's going to be a lot of stress. So, yeah, David, that's the part that a lot of people don't even talk about or, or, or admit to themselves. So, um, what I'm freely going to tell you is that the depression comes for free and it comes in, in truckloads. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you can do very little about that because you're so busy trying to fight the cancer and you you girding up to go and do radiation and chemotherapy and you on every single lotion potion uh, cure pill you, you'll do anything you really can uh, mm. especially when somebody tells you you've got such a limited time to live uh, for the first time I was told six months and, and how do you how do you even face or overcome the physical part of that when just what goes through your head being told you have six months on this planet that alone is going to sink you mm. so I think that's a, that's that that became really important for me in that um, 
pride myself on being the kind of person I, I don't I'm not one of those people that live in the future in terms of worry about what might happen what could happen that's never been me I think I've always trusted my ability to overcome whatever has crossed my path and somehow I'm going to land on my feet and um, I guess some people could call it flying by the seat of your pants and, and, and I'm happy to to own that title and I think that's that's been an amazing thing and it's been something that's really helped me to overcome the cancer yeah um, but my identity became a cancer warrior. I was so determined and so focused on beating the cancer that the cancer owned my ass. It really did. Mm. My, my, I, g- I kind of gave it all my power. Mm. And as I said, you off air, um, a friend once, m- m- once mentioned to me some of Frederick Nietzsche's teachings uh, and his Latin terminology, amor fati, which mm. is Latin for embrace your fate or love your fate, for it is in fact your life. That when we embrace the things or, or love the things even, uh, make friends with, uh, as you mentioned off air, the things that we can't change, somehow that frees us up to actually overcome them. Well, this is the thing, and I mean, um, a wise person once said that life is, in fact, a terminal disease. So, you know, we're all going to check out of here at one time or another. Correct. Um, You know, so, and and this is what I find so inspiring about you. I mean, you've taken um, a very, very challenging illness, and you went, but hang on, no, no, that's not me. I am more than that. And I think that is what is so inspiring. Just before we continue, though, if you'd like to uh, ask a question of Richard Wright, any comments, 41348 is the SMS line. 41348 SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. Otherwise, WhatsApp us, 0848220938. That's 0848220938. So we have to get on to this because you've been diagnosed um, brain cancer. You were told it was stage four. You carried on. You did more Ironmans after that. It's gone into remission twice. It's back, and yet today you come strolling into the studio with your arm in a sling. You're determined to talk about I'm that, aren't you? I'm determined to talk about the <laughs> arm in a sling. I want to know what happened. So it's kind of embarrassing for me. I, I was a swimming coach, as I told you, for many years. Uh, I was swimming school for 14 years. Pride myself on being pretty good at swimming. Um, so I ended this uh, race last weekend, uh, the Durban Half Ironman 70.3, on uh, zero training. And what I was more worried about than anything else was the cancer. Uh, been through a scare where... Um, I've had uh, toxicity, um, chemotoxicity in my lungs, and I've really been battling with my lungs. It was uh, the feeling that the cancer had spread there, and I really had been able to do no training at all for about two and a half months. And um, I, I, I was interviewed on, on live TV, and the presenter asked me what my next event was, and I sort of stammered something along the lines of Durban 70.3 because I couldn't think of anything else, and then entered the event uh, with very little time, but th- th- just wasn't able to train. So, so the whole run-up to the event was all about, Richard, are you going to be okay? You haven't done any training. You've got cancer. You, your lungs are an issue. And that was the real focus. That, the, the challenge and the obstacle was that stuff. And here I was. I had a swim. I only swum once the pool in the pool um, the Thursday before the race just to make sure I could still swim. And uh, I had a great swim. I loved it out there. It was really cool. Uh, I was coming into the beach with about 100 meters to go, uh, about 30 minutes on the clock. So it was a great swim. And um, as I breathed to my left-hand side, I saw this big wave. And the, the waves weren't really big, so it was kind of freakish. Suddenly, this big wave bearing down on top of me, and I was about to be dumped. And immediately, it was like, okay, stretch out your arm. Let's try and surf this thing in. You might just get it in time. And Make uh, that dramatic uh, approach That's exactly, the yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> sure, I planned that. Look at that. Um, and that, uh, yeah, that didn't happen. So the wave literally grabbed my arm, and it was, you know, when you're kids, and you take somebody's arm, and you kind of throw them around like a judo throw, and they land on their back, and then you let the arm go. But the wave did that to me, and didn't let my arm go. So literally, I plowed 
into the sand with my face um, and cut up my nose and my lip. And uh, but I, I, lit, I heard my shoulder go under the water, and I thought, "Is it broken? Is it dislocated?" But this excruciating pain, and I sort of made it choking out of the wave, and I immediately looked down at my arm, and my arm wasn't where it should have been. It was like way up where it should have been down, and I realized instantly, "Okay, this. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's dislocated. It doesn't feel like it's broken, but whatever it is, uh, I'm in trouble." Mm-hmm. If you've never had a dislocation in your life before, when it happens, that pain is something special. Oh, I, 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 I've said to people before, it's probably one of the source things I've ever experienced in oh, my life. Horrible, horrible, horrible thing. But now, you know, you would think with having not trained, you you having that scare before, you would have done the sensible thing. And this is why I wanted to talk about the arm. The sensible thing would have been to go, okay, guys, look, I've got an injury. I now am not obliged. It's a great excuse not to finish. <laughs> I'm now not obliged to finish this race. And you could have gone home and you could have felt vindicated. And yet you didn't. But I would have gone home without that medal and I would have gone home without the mental victory of finishing the thing and that's what's so important to me about the Ironman so we'll come back to the triathlon but to me for anybody else to relate to my story it's not about an Ironman I'm not expecting people when they go through a tough time to go and start an Ironman I'm not expecting that it's not what I'm asking because I for one would never well the fact that you say you never I think you're incorrect (laughs) you only have to look at an Ironman video and you're telling me that your shape is not a triathlon shape I'm going to disagree with that what is a triathlon shape not this one I think it's absolutely fine not all 114 no I will not accept it challenge and you're not going to you are not so, going to challenge my competitive so it's, it's nature. it's not an Ironman but what it is is this where is that place that you go to get your power back? Where is that mm. place that you go where if, if I can do if in my head if I can do this if I can get this thing right mm-hmm. then I can beat whatever else I'm facing. Mm. That's that place and for me that's what an Ironman finish line is for me. So um, sitting in the medical vehicle and they DNF me did not finish me straight away pulled my number said that's it your race is done and um, I was kicking and screaming saying no surely we can do something here can't we get this thing back in and uh, with the doctor trying to help me get my wetsuit off uh, and and pulling at my arm and me trying to use my other hand to pull my arm back just excruciating pain um, somehow it popped back in and immediately or not quite immediately gave it a couple of minutes and then started to move my arm and I said oh, look look at this I can I'm the fine. relief is amazing as it's soon as it pops back phenomenal. in phenomenal Absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Um, can I can I continue? There, no, there's no ways. You're bleeding. You need debridement. You, you blood in your face. Your nose is cut. Um, I said, no, no, I'm really, really fine. Can I? No, we've 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 disqualified you or DNF'd you. So we had to get a, a race referee across. And long story short, um, they re-entered me into the race. Um, they'd already removed my bicycle from the bike racks. I didn't have a chip anymore because that had been removed by the wave along with my swim cap and goggles. But I was so determined, and I think that's the lesson for me, is an obstacle is something that you see when you take your eyes off the goal. And for me, I wanted to finish that race. That was really important for me mentally to finish that race. And it didn't matter. And when you focus on that, suddenly everything else is inconsequential. So it was a sore bike. I couldn't use my tri bars. Uh, It was really painful to be down on my bars, but I had a great ride. Um, The run was probably the hardest part. Every single step was sore. And I ran until the pain got too too much. And then I walked until I kind of recovered a bit and then ran and then walked. And that's how I did it. If I look back now, um, I'm the same as you. It's like, how the hell did that happen? How did you get through that? Mm -hmm. But I think, again, it's like anything else. It's like beating cancer. It's like beating anything. It's any obstacle that you have in your life. How badly do you want it? And what what do you make your focus? Yeah. Well, as as again, I was once told is that, uh, you know, in order to do these kind of things and 
and you, one must have a compelling vision. That's something that you want to do and achieve because otherwise it's it's pretty pointless. But isn't that with anything, David? And I think very much so. You know, and, and, and this is the thing now. In, in my life, a lot of the reasons I have for, for, for doing things is I have a sister who was born with spina bifida and hydrocephalus. She's in a wheelchair. And I get up in the morning and I'll complain about my aches and pains or something. And then I'll go, but hang on. You never hear her complaining. You never. She lives to be able to go to work in the, in the morning. And I'm like, suck it up, princess. Get up and do it. So I, I'm, I'm going to stop you there. And I hear you. And, and you're right. I think it's one of the things I hear most often when I speak. People come up to me afterwards and say, Richard, I was listening to you. And I sat there thinking, wow, how trivial my problems are. How, how dare I complain? So just like you, how dare mm. I complain? And I, I want to I take those people outside and, and, and beat them because, because they're not helping themselves. We'll be back in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I went outside for me to start bleeding. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. The minute you do that, you're not playing with your own mind. You're telling yourself that something that is an issue for you mm-hmm. is how dare you. It's not an issue, but it is an issue. So I would ah. far rather, I would far rather help people to understand how to overcome whatever it is that is an obstacle. You don't have to have grade four cancer to have problems in your life. You don't mm-hmm. have to. And it's not, it's all relative and it's all relevant. And let me, let me then maybe give you an addendum to what I said there is, yes, the one thing you can never do is trivialize somebody else's challenges because what for you may seem trivial. For the person that has experienced it at that moment, I know I went through a, a phase and, and I always used to say, I don't understand what the hell people with depression don't understand what their problem is. I mean, suck it up, princess, you know, shoulders back, pick yourself up until it hit me. And in that deep down, dark cycle, there was no way out. And when people told me to just snap out of it, I was quite prepared to punch him in the teeth. For sure. Because at that stage, it was a very real thing for me. So perhaps a better way of saying it is people like yourself, my sister, other people I know are an inspiration to face and conquer your demons. So, so, so and here's, here's another example. I went into Woolies today and my daughter really wanted, she's sick, she wanted broccoli, chicken and broccoli soup. There was none on the shelves, David. No chicken and broccoli no soup. No chicken and broccoli soup at Woolies. Do you know what I went through? Just, uh, just the, in that moment, I mean, that's first world problems, right? Yeah. But that was a real issue. I had to go back to my daughter who's sick and say, listen, I'm really sorry, the soup that you chose out of all the soups, Woolies don't have. And it was chicken and broccoli. How which do we one deal with that? I think would be there. So it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't yeah. matter what it is. <coughs> Are there things that you can change in your life? Yes, I can. Hmm. All right. Well, then do something about it. Yeah. So one of my favorite quotes, Naomi Judd, you're only ever a victim once. Thereafter, you are a volunteer. On the day I was told, Richard, you've got stage four terminal cancer. You've got six months to live. I was a legitimate victim of cancer. Yeah. The day after that, I can't go back to the doctor and say, hey, just tell me again. Just tell, tell me again how I've got cancer. Yeah. Because that's done. I now have a choice as to what to do. Can I change it? No, I can't. What can I change? I can change the way I think. I can change my attitude towards cancer. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. We're talking to Richard Wright, my special guest in studio. Not only has he completed uh, multiple Ironmans, half Ironmans, uh, he is a speaker of note, uh, somebody you could well, well do with having at uh, your company or event. He also does a couple of other things. And when we come back, I'll be chatting to Richard about that. Mix 93.8 Legendary Radio. It is what's involved this Monday night. My guest in studio, Richard Wright. Uh, Kat just said, I found that quote quite profound. Thank you for sharing.
we dished out a number of them. So yeah, which one? Which one was it, Kat? Because uh, we can say them again. We love interaction like that. So Listen, I, I've got another one. Midnight oil, beds are burning. Yes. Would you know that your bed is burning if somebody didn't tell you? Well, maybe not. You're asleep. Or well, I don't know. I don't know. Where'd you know? But, but there's the concept for me. When somebody tells you something, yeah. that thought goes in. And your, your, your brain is the most sophisticated filtration system on the planet. Mm-hmm. So it can't think for itself. Yeah. So when somebody says, David, you've got cancer, yeah. you, you, your mind doesn't say, no, 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 don't let that thought come in. No, 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 no that's a bad thought. Yeah. It says, no, come in, come in. And now what it does is, filters out all the things that prove to you that you do have cancer and filters out all the things that prove to you that you actually don't have cancer. When in actual fact, you might not even have any symptoms. You Mm. might not really feel it. But now you're going to feel everything that maybe isn't because your brain is searching because that's what you told it. And it's now looking for reasons to do that. So, I think it's so that's with anything. The, the reticular activating system. I think that's what it's called. It, where it filters out and does all these weird and wonderful things. But I mean, it's something, you know, people go, you got cancer, accept it. Um, do you, don't you, so where think, are I th- you? I think there's a lot with that. I think, I think a lot of people see cancer as a death sentence. A lot of people see cancer as this thing that it isn't. Um, it's what you allow it. It's like anything in your life. It's what it, anything that happens to you in your life you give it the power that it deserves or you don't or even if it deserves some kind of power you can decide whether you do or you don't so let's go back to that triathlon I can say I'm doing a triathlon with cancer and I'm doing it with lung issues or and, and then something else happens to me which becomes an obstacle I dislocate my shoulder and decide that I'm going to continue the race I can tell you that for the rest of the race I didn't think about cancer again but this was I was about to ask you that exact same question so because you were focusing on, on not anymore the big C but now correct <laughs> something and, much and more immediate did, did it change anything for me did it change anything from, a can, from the cancer perspective no it didn't so again what you make your focus determines your outcome and determines your reality wonderful stuff it was apparently about uh, Katz's uh, it was the one about being a victim the first time and a volunteer oh there was it. Naomi Judd that's there a great quote that one good one so this wasn't enough for you to live with cancer and, and to do the things you've done you decided that uh, you need to do something more so you've also got a little project called hashtag give it horns mm. um, which is on multiple okay it's a very South African saying that give it horns, give it horns. Brew, yeah, yeah. Um, which means give it all you got but um, you've also tell us about that project so um, Ironman has also always been about something greater than myself and it's I've normally been racing for my two little girls uh, McKinnon and Bailey and they're really on my why it's my reason for everything really um, in fact, when I was told um, that you're going to die, death part wasn't what scared me so much. It's mm. just a change in your living circumstances and you're no longer living and that's just what it is. But th- the part that I fear the most is leaving my two little girls w- without a dad. That's hectic for Totally me. understandable. So they really are my reason why and, and um, they, well, they would write on each one of my hands whatever they wanted to in an Ironman before the cancer and, and it, was, it was so empowering to look down on my, my hands when I was racing and just remember why I was doing this. And also not, don't be stupid. Don't go and do something that's going to leave your kids without a dad I think that's quite important for me um, but the Ironman it's always been about more than myself I did two with my ex-CEO Andrew Golding his first two Ironman events uh, with him and they were amazing again it was doing it for somebody else or with somebody else and it was it was there's something incredible about that that sense of community and, and sharing so with the cancer I didn't want anything to do with the cancer I think that was still at that phase where I was fighting cancer and, and I was against cancer and, and so I picked a, 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 an organization which I absolutely love uh, um, it's called uh, the Rhino uh, Rescue uh, Project. And essentially that's devaluing rhino horns. And I love that. It's taking all the money out of rhino conservation, stockpiling horns. It's it's uh, keeping the horn on the rhino. It's saving uh, one rhino 
at a time and it's not the world's most expensive exercise and it was such an amazing thing for me to be able to do and that was the give it horns so that was for rhino conservation and, and that was fabulous so for the first year that, that was great I, I loved that but then you went ahead and did something else which yeah. was you know when you when you first see it when i first saw the hashtag i was like yeah I, you know, this is taking it a step too far because how do you get from rhinos to unicorns tell me okay right uh, give it horns for rhinos and unicorns so um the christmas after that i was in remission for the first time and i found myself in port elizabeth without my girls they went they flew back to their mother on uh, uh, christmas eve the 24th and i made some um exploratory calls to people to say listen i want to get involved with something on christmas day and i landed up at the pe provincial hospital in the kids oncology ward and what i found there was was extremely sad but also pretty amazing so there were six kids that were there and each one of the kids was in an isolation ward and their mothers were there pretty much full time with them because the nurses rely quite a lot they're little kids um, under the age of six and the nurses rely quite a lot on the mothers for I mean you, you don't want to be in hospital full time if you're six years old without your mom so the mothers pretty much find themselves living in the wards with their kids although there's no bed there for him there's an armchair which which and they sort of kick up and end up sleeping on what happens is the moms can't work anymore because they, they're full-time taking care of their kids and the dads almost always disappear no money coming in from a father figure and the families are left to pretty much fend for the kids in hospital and the, and the mothers and I thought this was just amazing um, a way to give back that no kid should ever deserve to have cancer I mean it's hard enough as an adult let alone as a kid and every kid deserves in being able to believe in the magic of unicorns and so that was the give it horns for runners and unicorns so it was ra- it's pretty much raising money to uh, number one provide some fun things for kids who literally spend their days in a hospital ward on their own in isolation and number two being able to support their moms and be able to give back um, to them um, and I found that a, a really cool way to race and raise awareness for for the plight of those moms so that's and that's ongoing though yeah, I mean, it's if, ongoing. if people go to your website they can still uh, they can still sort of donate and, and get involved what what is your next so, so can, can I stop one for one second there um, unfortunately um, and this is the, the very sad part for me. Um, so just to link this in, I mm. talk quite a lot about being a cancer survivor, although I have still got cancer. Um, and a lot of people say, but you're not a survivor, you've cancer. And I say, no, but I am a survivor because until the day cancer gets me, I'm a cancer survivor. And on the day that I die from cancer, I'm no longer a cancer survivor, but I'm dead and, and that's okay. But until then, anything can happen to me. And I think, you know, you, you said at, at one stage that um, life, this thing called life is is a terminal disease and it is we start dying the minute we start living and you don't have to have stage four cancer or terminal disease or an illness to be terminal um you could get hit by a bus today i could get hit by a bus today we live in johannesburg we live in the world in in 2019 you could be shot you could have an accident anything could happen that can end your life Mm -hmm. you don't have to have cancer to die um and if i die from any other cause i die a cancer survivor and it's the thing I say quite a lot is I can be sitting in an oncology ward having chemotherapy and I can look at the patients coming through the door and immediately I can spot the ones that are cancer survivors and, and the ones that are cancer victims. It's the d- demeanor, it's in their eyes, it's how they hold themselves. It doesn't mean that what I can tell you is that every cancer victim is going to succumb to cancer because they've decided they're going to. They're a victim of it already. But if you're a cancer survivor, it doesn't mean you, you're going to survive cancer. I've seen some of the strongest, most incredible cancer survivors succumb to the, the disease and that's just what mm-hmm. it is. But every single one one of them will live a longer life. They'll confound the doctors. They will have a better quality of life. They'll, they'll be happy even though they have a terminal disease um, because happiness is a feeling, not a destination. It's not. I don't have to be in remission to be happy. I can be happy while I have cancer. So many times, so many people say that. I will be happy when 
I will be happy if. What's wrong with being happy now? No, and there's always a reason to be happy. Always, always, always. And I think that's what I found in those kids is is kids handle cancer remarkably well. Um, they are happy with so little. They're happy because they haven't been jaded with this life and everybody telling them about what happiness is. That They know what happiness is. Happiness is, is a feeling. And But the saddest part for me is that some of the kids who were some of the strongest survivors haven't survived. Mm-hmm. So, and I'd love to put this out to the listeners. If you know of um, somebody who is in that sort of plight, a, a mom who's really, really struggling just to put food on table back home but having to live in an isolation ward, I would love you to put them in contact with me because I'm looking for more people um, to be able to help with Give It Horns. I think that's absolutely fantastic. But this is one of the things I mentioned earlier. And I think it might be one of your reasons as well is because you're doing this for so much. You've got a bigger why. I mean, you want to go out there. It's a life of service. Who was it? Zig Ziglar who said uh, you can have anything you want in life uh, if you help other people get what they want. So um, I think that's probably because when I see you talking about this kind of stuff, I see you talking about uh, your daughters or when, you, when you're standing in front of people sharing your story, you light up, you come alive. For sure. And, and then that's also an amazing thing for me. So it doesn't matter how I feel. Uh, in fact, I've even been booked by Unique Speaker Bureaus and, I'll, I'll, uh, and uh, Bureau and I'll get a call from, from um, <laughs> whoever organized the gig just before to say, listen, are you okay? You know, <laughs> do we need to worry? Are you going um, to make it today? Are you going to make it today? And, and, but that's the gift of doing what I do. It doesn't matter how I feel. When I climb up on that stage and I, I stand in front of a bunch of people, whether it's that, whether it's in front of you, whether it's in talking to my kids, and I talk about stuff that can change other people's lives and inspire them to be a different, better version of themselves, I do come alive. And, and that's my purpose. It really is. And I think the, the amazing thing, and uh, just before we go, is you were telling me about this last time before you, you did the last uh, triathlon, how it was you literally had decided you're going to just start again. Now, this from a man who does Ironmans by walking around the block. And I think, to me, there was something very profound in that because it's that whole Let's just take one step. For today, we'll take one step. If that's all we can do, that's fine. Is that something that you feel? Huge. So it's living in the present. Um, It's called the power of now. Um, can I take this next step? Yes, I can. I'm fine. Great. Can I take the next one? Yes, I can. And I think that that's why a lot of people don't do more um, and challenge themselves more is fear. And fear, fear is, the, is the biggest inhibitor for anything. But this fear of a, what if I don't finish? But what if I don't do 10 kilometer run? But what if I don't do what just start and if you don't that's okay so the way i I speak about it is that um a dnf is a lot better than a dns so in athletic term terminology on on the results sheet you'll see a whole lot of times you've won the race and then times sort of get slower and slower and slower and then right down the bottom you see a bunch of names with a dnf next to them did not finish Mm -hmm. in other words they started the race something happened they gave it their best shot and they didn't finish. Mm-hmm. So in other words, had I been pulled off the beach and had I stayed there and said, listen, I've got this dislocated shoulder, it's okay, I've got a DNF, at least I tried, at least I started. Yeah. But a DNS, are those names right at the bottom of the list and those that did, not, did start. not start. I entered this thing, I decided I was going to do it, but for whatever reason, I didn't get to the start line. And I think for me, and this is part of it, no training, it didn't matter. If, if on Sunday all I did was start on the beach and if I didn't even finish the swim, that's okay. Yes, I'm going to do everything I possibly can. You're going to have to pull me off this race. But if I don't finish, that's okay. I started. And so that's a big message is just start. Whatever it is, whatever is holding you back, just make a start. Mel Robbins coined it. She called it the five-second rule, and I love this. She says that your brain is divided into two halves. You've got the accelerator and you've got the handbrake. 
break and we all have the most amazing thoughts, things that can literally change our lives. And it doesn't even have to be big. I think we think of everything's got to be big. It, mm. get, you know, going to do an Ironman is big. Well, you don't get to an Ironman if you don't get up today and walk around the block and then tomorrow maybe walk around the block and then run to the robot and then walk the rest. Mm-hmm. You've got to start somewhere. Um, you know, Break it down. But what she says is if you don't act on that thought within five seconds, your handbrake comes up. And your handbrake is literally the excuses. You set the alarm in the morning and say, okay, tomorrow morning I'm going to go and run. The alarm goes off. Two, three, four, five. Uh, Snooze button. Snooze button. And and that that is the excuse as well. I I was only going to have a glass of wine last night and I ended up having the glass that it came in. Or or, it's it's a Wednesday. I'd rather start on a Monday. Whatever that excuse is, that's the handbrake. And you literally will change your life if you have a thought and decide I've got five seconds to act on that thought or it's not going to happen. Wonderful stuff. Richard, we've run out of time. Thank you so, so much for coming in tonight. Um, if anybody would like to get hold of you, um, I am richardwright.com and Richard is spelt the way you would normally spell Richard. Wright is W-R-I-G-H-T. Otherwise, through USB. Yes, yes absolutely. Unique Speaker Bureau. Uh, I can phone through and speak to Chanel, who's actually in studio with me here. Thanks for being here, Chanel. We'll, we'll sit and wave at Chanel. It's a radio wave. People just have to take our word for it. Um, <laughs> or Paul, or just phone in, and uh-huh. uh, they'll take care of all your needs. They're at uh, USB.com, is it? UniqueSpeakerBureau.com. Dot com, correct. So uh, correct. you can have a chat to them there as well. They handle a lot of Richard's bookings. Uh, as he said, though, if you know of anybody uh, that Matt needs some help, some ladies that are by themselves suffering with their children that do, in fact, have cancer, I am Richard Wright. So that's all one word, dot com. Richard, all the best. Um, before you go, what next? Where are you going to next? <laughs> sure. I'm going, going to be to like next? that television person and I'm going yeah, to ask are. you something. Now, just in general, I'm not asking you to go yeah. to another Iron Man. So where next? I um, I would love, I absolutely thrive on having people to speak to and share my story with. So I think for me, where next? I just would like to find more people who would like to be inspired and like to initiate some change in their lives. And I'd love to be booked. And I want to continue inspiring my own kids. Um, I think probably my, one of my biggest goals in life is I always want to be a hero in my two daughters' eyes. And I don't always get that right, but I think more often than not, um, that's a big goal for me. So from there to speaking, to doing more events, um, that's what makes me happy. Fantastic stuff. Richard Wright, we wish you all the best. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Thank you for having me. There we go. That was Richard Wright. Up next, we're going to be talking to Pierre Ocamp. And apparently, we all don't know how to breathe. Pierre's going to be talking to us about that.